Good morning, gentlemen and soldiers. Uh, it's truly an honor uh, to be here in your presence this morning. As the word declares, we're to give honor where honor is due. And I like to begin in that spirit. I like to begin by honoring my brother Edwin Placeris, who was the gentleman that introduced us to NCS many years ago and to many of the fine leaders that are here today. So my dear brother, I honor you this morning. Just a backstory approximately, and I'd also like to honor brother Matt, um, Matt Wolf for the honor and the privilege of being here this morning, but more importantly is to have the presence of the Colonel of the New Jersey State Police here this morning as well. Thank you. And lastly, I'd like to thank um, the formal uh, superintendent, um, uh, Colonel uh, Noble, Jeffrey Noble, who is no longer with the state police, but uh, has also is a fine gentleman and has played an important part in both my life and in David's life as well. And he's my son, I forgot to introduce my son, he's King David as he's affectionately known. <laughs> um, just a quick backstory, approximately uh, three years ago, November 11th, 2019, uh, the Lord had set up an, an, a divine appointment where I was blessed to help save the life of a white supremacist who was attempting to commit suicide on the New Jersey Turnpike. And it was one of, without a doubt, one of the most tragic experiences of our lives where I nearly lost my life, my son as well, and many others. But by the glory and the grace of God, no one, whether the troopers involved, pedestrians involved, civilians, no one to God be the glory. Even the gentleman that attempted to commit suicide, we all walked away with a powerful testimony. But the story doesn't end there. Shortly thereafter on March, approximately March 20th, uh, my son and I, um, King David, we were honored at the New Jersey State Police. And it was that day that I met the Colonel and they devoted approximately two hours to us, giving us a tour of the headquarters and the original headquarters and so forth. But it was at that time, and I'll be honest, I was terrified. <laughs> I saw all of these men, high-ranking officials and the colonel, and I'm just thinking, oh my God, are my, pick, are my tickets paid up already, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and. Uh, and, and I met this incredible man of God. And once we've removed the whole presence, the initial you know, anxiety of meeting these impressive men and women, I began to see the heart of this man. And I began to share my story and he began to share a bit of his story on that day. And here we are nearly three years later and we've been blessed and honored to work on several projects with the New Jersey State Police, um, in advancing the dignity and the sanctity of all human life. But I stand here in support of our law enforcement officials who risk their lives daily 
for our safety. And it was at that point that I saw this incredible man with this incredible armor, but had a soul, a, such a gentle soul in the heart of God and revealed his faith, his faith in Christ and his own personal journey and that of his family. And I began to see this, not just this colonel of the state police, but actually a general in the army of God. And the role that this gentleman has played in our lives, I don't, I don't have the time, and, and even my son, even just to mention this morning that we were going to see the colonel, the, the, the impact that they have had has been immeasurable and for a lifetime. And with that said, I'd like to introduce my dear friend and colonel, Patrick Callahan of the New Jersey State Police. If you could please stand and welcome the colonel, please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Hector and King David. Uh, I've had the honor of listening to David pray on some mornings on an eight o'clock call, uh, and it is a special spirit that flows through that young man. And I'm humbled to be here. I was surprised to see my former boss and major when I was a young lieutenant, Major Corky Vanderplug. I haven't seen him in year. Uh, years, but just as God placed Hector and Dave in my life, I think he bought the major here. So it's great to see you, Major. Um, I'll just share a little bit of my faith journey. I know we don't have a heck of a lot of time. Uh, people see the Colonel of State Police and probably think it was a, you know, a cakewalk. Uh, it's not. Uh, we have a sign that hangs in our house that says, faith makes things possible, not easy. Uh, and I'll take you back to my wife had begged me for years to go to Haiti on a mission trip, and I just was, didn't have a good feeling about it. And one of the men in our church came up and said, Pat, we'll take care of her. I finally said, go ahead, Linda, you have my blessing. It's an orphanage that we support down in uh, Bon Repos, Haiti. And she went. And two days after she was there, one of the largest earthquakes on the face of the earth hit there. And I didn't know where she was for a few days. First person at my door was a Jersey trooper, and we prayed. And then I saw her on TV behind Anderson Cooper at the airport. <laughs> and Norwegian Airway, uh, airlines flew them to the Bahamas, and I got to see her about a week later. Uh, fast, so she comes home, you think, great. She comes home, she needed emergency surgery right after that for her gallbladder to be removed. Fast forward a couple more weeks. So this is, we call 2012 one of those tests of your faiths and bring you to God each and every day. Uh, my son was struggling. He was 19 years old, struggling with anger and bipolar. And I was doing homework with my daughter and the door, somebody sounded like my door was gonna come in. I live in a state police town in rural Warren County. My house was surrounded by troopers. I'm a lieutenant in the state police. Open the door, young trooper that I grew up with, Pat. And I said, is he dead? I th my son had been out of the house for three weeks. I said, he's gonna end up in prison or he's gonna end up dead. And he said, no, he's not dead, but he's wanted for aggravated assault. He stabbed somebody in a fight. I said, do you know where he is? They said, no. I said, I'll take you to him. And I called my son and I said, we're coming for you, Steve. And to watch my oldest son get handcuffed and placed in the back of a state police car 
pulled me about as close to God as I could be. He got sentenced to seven years in state prison, and for every single weekend, my wife and I went to see him because I knew he would get out one day, and I didn't want to just write. I needed him to come out into a network that some folks in this room know that that network doesn't exist for everybody. My son has been out now for about five years and hasn't had a bad day because of the grace and mercy that God has placed in our lives. But it doesn't end there. He's in prison. I was the lieutenant colonel that oversaw all the road troopers. Uh, I was, Colonel Fuentes called me in on Christmas Eve and said, Pat, I want you to go be the field operations lieutenant colonel. It's like going back to where you started from. And in short order, we lost trooper after trooper after trooper to line of duty deaths. And I was the face knocking on that door every morning or every night saying, your son, your husband, your dad's not coming home. And I, don't, I think there was an assignment there by God that I was there sometimes to be in silence, sometimes to pray. Uh, I just had dinner this week with the Raspas, Anthony Raspa we lost on May 30th, 2015, seven years ago on this Memorial Day. Uh, and it's an odd position to be in, to be that face of the most tragic day of a mom and dad's life. But there's something special in it too. There's that, uh, I don't know, I think I just call it grace and this knowing when to say something and this knowing when to just reach out and hold somebody's hand. Uh, and we lost one after another, Eli McCarson, Sean Cullen, Frankie Williams. And that's where the story even gets a little bit uh, more closer to God. We buried Frankie Williams on December 12th, 2016, I think it was, or 17. Pouring rain, troopers, thousands of troopers lined up on the Atlantic City boardwalk to send him off from all over the country. And I'm in my truck behind the hearse, waiting for my wife to call me, and she called. Still remember where I was before we pulled in the cemetery and said, I have stage four cancer, colon, liver, and lung. And you think, you know, what was my joke? Because I, I said, at times you say to God, is that all you got? I stopped asking that question because he kept answering. <laughs> But it is in those moments that you get drawn so close to him. You know, and I was drawn, to, I was thinking about what I would say, and I was drawn to Hebrews this morning. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And through all of those dark times uh, leading up to, you know, the pandemic. My wife, by the way, just had a good scan two weeks ago. So she's five years of fighting. And we just, uh, we rely completely on God on this journey, uh, understanding his grace, his mercy, his purpose to it all. Uh, pandemic, just somebody give me a time check too. If I go a little long, I don't wanna, I wanna make sure I give time. What time is it? Okay. Oh, I got 45 minutes left. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Matt's starting to go like this. Uh, and then, uh, you know, as fate would have it, 
uh, I got appointed to be the colonel by Governor Christie. Uh, Governor Murphy kept me and didn't have to. Um, never expecting or never learning as the major would attest, uh, Colonel Schwarzkopf, our first colonel, didn't have to go through a pandemic. But in this role, I'm also the state director of emergency management. There's only two states in the country where that is. It's us and Michigan. And we think it's because it works. Um, but I watched women and men of the state police do things that I never thought they'd have to do, from building out hospitals to mortuary affairs, 20 refrigerated tractor trailers that held 82 corpses each, and then renting a refrigerated warehouse in the in middle of the state that was meant to store bulbs from Holland and simulate winter. And yet we had decedents that got killed by COVID there. It's a special place to be. We had chaplains there praying and eating lunch with our troopers and the National Guard testing vaccines. But early on in the pandemic, on March 13th, 2020, Reverend Green said, Colonel, would you get on a call and pray with us? I said, I'll pray. I've been on that call every single day, seven days a week at eight o'clock a.m. since March 13th, 2020. And when I leave here today, I will be on that call. I finally got the chance to be confirmed a few months back. It was a struggle to even get before the Senate. But I struggled with mentioning that call. And sometimes we feel awkward uh, preaching the gospel or that good news. There's a hesitancy, you know, it's separation of church and state. I think if we had a little more togetherness of church and state, we'd be in a much better place. So I mentioned it during my opening statement. I talked about this prayer call. We call it I am, interfaith action movement, imams, Baptists, Methodists, Catholics, Hispanic, Pastor Raul, uh, Pastor Jean-Maurice, the head of the Haitian pastors, African diaspora, uh, and day in, all these different accents and different voices. I, I tell them it reminds me of the birds in the morning. If you were up at about 4.45 in that symphony of different callings, that's what this prayer call starts out like in the morning. Um, and I went on it March 13th, never went off. Fast forward a few months, again, only white person on the call, only law enforcement on the call. Then George Floyd gets murdered and I get on the call. And I think, what, have I, what would if I had done if I had gotten on that call March 13th, never got on again, and then got on to try and explain things from the, not that you could explain that, but from the perspective of law enforcement. And there was such a, they'd known me, they had heard me pray for 90 days straight. Still to this day, I've never met most of these people in person. I was recently at the governor's inaugural ball and I heard two people talking and I knew who they were because of their prayers, not because of their face. And what a special reunion, praying for Linda every day for her cancer battle, praying for me every day. And through all of those things, Buffalo grocery store, right? Every victim, black, Alvude, Texas, all those kids, through it all, we get together and we pray. 
And somebody asked me early on, how do you, as the Colonel of State Police, with gun violence, auto theft, all the things, the pandemic, how do you get on that call every single day? And I flipped it around and said, how do I not get on that call every single day? And that's why being in this room, um, more of this needs to happen around this country. Uh, men of integrity, of faith, not perfect by any stretch, all bringing our, our issues, whether that's struggling with alcoholism, whether that's struggling with a, a marriage that's having a, a, you know, a tough time, struggling with sick children. Uh, that's why it's good to be together. You know, where two or three are gathered in his name, right? And if you don't feel him in this room this morning, um, see me after class. <laughs> I'll leave you with this, and, and I've been asked about my role um, and law enforcement's role. I think back to our first colonel, his very first order he gave on December 5th, 1921, when our troopers left the academy in a blizzard on horsebacks and Harleys. And one of the things in that order is the prevention of crime is of greater importance than the punishment of criminals. You think of that, that was 1921. And that he ends it that we should do our duty with a respectful bearing on all classes. It's 2022 and it's as fitting today as it was 101 years ago. And I think in law enforcement, we've always been viewed as warriors. And what I'd like to see, and I've said it to a room full of 49 other colonels, that we need to shift away from warrior mentality. Are there times when you need to go into it? Yes, but it's a very small percentage of the time. Most of the time we are called to help people in crisis. Struggling, marginalized, and people want men of faith bringing compassion and care and calm to chaos. That's what they want when they see this. They don't want to see that panic. To me, I want people to see this and be comforted by the fact that there are women and men of God that have raised their right hand and promised to be peacemakers. I said it last week. I said, I, I remember the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, and I don't remember anywhere Jesus saying, blessed are the warriors. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And I also remind everybody, especially those in law enforcement, and those who have taken an oath, every single oath, and I just watched the second lieutenant get sworn in to the Marine Corps yesterday. We hosted it at the log cabin at headquarters. And everybody in this room knows the last four words of every oath are what? So help me God. But in our oath, there's a period at the end of that, right? So I ask the troopers, in this line of work, in this calling in life, you're going to need to remove that period and say, so help me God, when I have to go tell a family that their son's not going home. So help me God, when I get called to somebody struggling with addiction. So help me God, when I stop a suicidal man on the side of the New Jersey Turnpike, the busiest highway in the country. So help me God when I have to go visit my son in prison for years. 
So help me God when I have to see my wife go through her 12th surgery. So help me God. So help me God when I'm wrestling with that 300 pound man on meth on the side of Route 78. Or so help me God when I have to go tell mom and dad that their 17 year old daughter just wrapped herself around a tree. So help me God, and he does. That's the truth of it, all the time. Bright days, you know, the best part about this morning, I woke up pouring rain, misty, foggy, not a great ride up 287, but I was comforted by the fact that I knew above all of that rain was the sun and it was gonna come out and it was there even though we couldn't see it. But this afternoon and this weekend, when that sun comes out, be grateful for the rain too. Because it's the rain and the dark times that make us appreciate those times when the sun comes out, when we all carry that light and be the hands and feet of the man who sent his only son, arms outstretched, right? The most Christ-like profession on the face of the earth that we have women and men that say, I'll lay down my life, even for those that I don't know. And I know Gospel of John talks about no greater love as a man to lay down his life for his friends. This is a profession that will do it for strangers. That's a pretty special place to be. I am honored and humbled to call myself a Jersey Trooper. I'm honored and humbled to be in this position as Colonel. But what I'm most honored and humbled about is that I am a man of God and I am so completely thrilled to be surrounded by men who are as well. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you.